Hello, everyone. I've decided to rename this podcast to the Wilson Extension. I think of this as simply a brief time in which I get to extend to you, the listener, just some of my daily thoughts in hope that God would use them in your own life. And so I thought the new name would be a bit more fitting. I also just want to thank you for taking 10 minutes or so out of your day to support me. Now, today I have a question. When was the last time that you felt completely out of the loop? When was the last time that you truly did not know something? And how did you react to that? Maybe it's been a math exam at some point in your past. You studied hard, but then reality hits when it's actually time to take the test. And you don't know how to do about half the problems. Or maybe it's been your car, and that sound just keeps on coming from the engine. You have no clue what's creating it, and you're just hoping and praying that it gets you home safe without breaking down. Sometimes it's a bit more serious than those. You're waiting on a diagnosis from the doctor, and you just don't know the results yet. You just got into an argument with someone close to you, and you don't know if things will ever be the same with that person. You're without a job, and you don't know if you'll be able to find a new one in time. See, this world and our lives are filled with moments of being left out of the loop. We are consistently in these seasons when we lack knowledge of something. And this haunts us. We can't stand this. But why? We are creatures of knowledge, aren't we? We long to know more. Sometimes it's because we think knowledge is the only pathway to total peace. Other times, we're led to believe that knowing the outcome is the only thing that is associated with wisdom. At the end of the day, though, we often fall into the trap of longing to be, or even thinking we can be, God. And what specific trait belongs to God? Omniscience. See, God is omniscient. He is omni, all, sent, or knowing. He's omniscient, all, knowing. In 1 John 3, John writes, By this we shall know that we are of the truth, and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And then look at what he says next. And he, God, knows everything. So God is the one who knows. All things are known by him. But then what about us? Well, we as his creation are made in his image, meaning we reflect and point to him. As he created, so we create. As he works, so we work. As he taught, we teach. As he knows, we know. As he rules above, so we rule on earth. And so let me clarify that it is not bad to seek knowledge. This is a wonderful and a glorious thing. Being made in the image of a God who knows, we naturally want to know. Keep in mind, he made us to be this way. However, this gifting of his image does come with limits. Why? Because it was never intended to be for our own glory, but for his Keep in mind how an image of a person is naturally intended to reflect thought back 
to the reality of that individual. It's meant to honor, for the most part, that individual. See, we have limits because we were never supposed to take or even try to take the very place of God. Rather, we were designed to point all honor and praise back to our Creator. It's no wonder that if we don't worship God, we're naturally worshiping something else. We were made to worship. We were designed to seek a relationship with Him. But since the original sin of man, this good and natural way we were created has been disrupted. It's been marred, or in other words, bruised. Again, there is a way to glorify God in our seeking after knowledge. But at what point do we cross the line in our seeking? At what point, even if out of fear and anxiety, do we seek to supersede or bypass our limits and boundaries in an unconscious attempt to be God? See, when we do so, we step out of our line and into sin. Out of pride that we might not even be aware of, we begin to try and take on a higher and different identity than what has been graciously given to us by God himself. Now bear in mind, by the way, that attempting to be what one is not was the original sin in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis 3.5, the serpent states, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, he convinces mankind to think it can be what it is not. Identity was also one of the temptations that Satan used with Jesus during his time in the wilderness. Luke 4.3, the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Luke 4.7, If you then worship me, it will all be yours. Luke 4.9, And he took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to guard you. See, every single time in that narrative, Satan attempts to trick our Lord into abusing his role and identity and into doing something that the Father had not intended for him to do. Put in other words, the devil consistently tempted Christ into stepping beyond a certain limit. Every statement in the narrative is conditional with the intention of pushing Jesus further than he should go. Now Christ, in his righteousness, did not fall into temptation. We, on the other hand, who are in full need of Christ's righteousness, do fall into this temptation. And we do so frequently. So then, when we don't know, or when we're in this panic of the unknown, what do we do? How do we rest? How do we take comfort in our limits and boundaries, all while maintaining peace? In the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, the writer says this, Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider. God has made one as well as the other, so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. Ecclesiastes 7, 13-14 
See, there will naturally be days of prosperity and adversity. These are both guaranteed. In some seasons, the grass will grow, food will be plenty, relationships will be restored. In others, objects will fall apart, our plans will dissipate before our eyes, and our desires will become lost. And perhaps the most difficult part is this, we simply do not and cannot know or control when or how these times will come. Notice how the writer of Ecclesiastes doesn't give us much more information about the contradicting seasons. He just says, in the times of prospering, be joyful, give God thanks. And in the times of distress, of adversity, he says, consider. Consider how God has actually permitted this, but also notice the reason why. So that man may not find out anything that will be after him. There are times of both prosperity and adversity so that we would realize our failure to know, so that we would acknowledge our limits, that we would realize our boundaries. This seems a little bit cold at first, but what if the times of uncertainty and unknowing were actually God's way of providing his peace to us? See, think with me about what would happen if we actually settled into our boundaries and limits. Imagine if we found comfort in this realization of the reality that we were not made to know everything, but rather worship the one who does. This passage out of Ecclesiastes shows us that God desires for us to embrace the limits to our knowledge and to rest in that we were not made to know the outcome, but to know our Creator, to know the one who is limitless, to know the one who is good, to know the one who is perfect and faithful and sovereign, to know the one who is love. The best part is, He remains the same, even in our times of trouble and uncertainty, in times of adversity, in times when we do not know. Many are the plans in a mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Proverbs 19, 21. Lord, thank you for your purpose in our lives. Amen.